Praise the Lord. Daniel chapter 8, we're going to be there at verse uh, 1. I appreciate y'all being here this morning and being faithful to the, to the church. And uh, Hey guys, you know, I know this world's getting worse. I know every time we, every, it seems like every day we turn on the news and there's something else to be depressed about. But we got Jesus Christ. Amen. I mean, I want y'all to remember that and always keep that in mind that, hey, it turns out good for us in the end. Amen. This this nation, and I love America. We know we got a flag flying here. We're not, we're not, we're not, we're not, it's not that we're not proud of America. We're proud of to be an American. I'm proud, I'm even more proud to be a Texan. But the truth is, this is not my home. This is not my nation. Actually, I love this state, but this ain't my state. My my nation, my state, my home is up in heaven. And uh, this I'm just I'm just passing through. So uh, y'all keep that in mind, and, and, and whenever uh, they're doing all the nonsense they're doing, it, get, it should give you a good laugh, because that's exactly what the Bible said they'd do. So uh, it kind of confirms what you already believe. But look at Daniel chapter 8. I want to continue to preach on the Antichrist this morning. The Antichrist. I want to pre- continue preaching on the Antichrist this morning, and we're going to look at what the Antichrist is, who he is, and some more prophecy having to do with the Antichrist. So look at Daniel chapter 8, verse 1, and I'm going to begin there. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared unto me, even unto me, Daniel, after that which appeared unto me at the first. So this is another vision that God gave him. I saw it in a vision, and it came to pass when I saw that I was at Shushan in the palace, which is in the province of Elam, and I saw in a vision I was by the river Uli. Then I lifted up mine eyes and saw, and behold, there stood before the river a ram which had two horns. And the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher came up last. And I saw the ram pushing westward and northward and southward, so that no beast might stand before him, neither was there any that could deliver out of his hand. But he did according to his will and became great. Now this is a vision, and I'm about to read this to you later on this morning, but this is a vision of the Medes and the Persians' kingdom. So remember, God had been showing Daniel the kingdoms, the world kingdoms to come. And he showed him Babylon, he showed him Medes and the Persians, he showed him the Greek Empire, he showed him the Roman Empire. And then the last empire is the Antichrist empire the one we're about to be under he showed him that world empire so what god when god sees these world empires he sees them as these beasts as these animals and that's what you're seeing so what we're reading here in verse four is this ram represents the medes and the persians it represents the medes and the persians that's why you got the two horns there and verse five and as i was considering behold an he goat came from the west on the face of the whole earth, and touched not the ground, and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. This is a prophecy of the Greek empire, run by one man, Alexander the Great. He came from the west, just like that verse prophesied he would. He came from the west. It said that he didn't even touch the face of the whole ground. He touched not the ground. Alexander the Great had the whole world conquered, the whole known world conquered by the age of 35. Isn't that amazing? He was only 35 when he died. He had that whole known world there, for the, the known world right there conquered. And he had a notable horn between his eyes. That noble horn would represent Alexander the Great. And he came to the ram that had two horns, which it had seen standing before the river, and ran unto him in the fury of his power. And I saw him come close unto the ram, and he was moved with collar. Now collar would be like anger against him, and smote the ram, and brake his two horns. And there was no power in the ram to stand before him. But he cast him down to the ground, and stamped upon him, and there was none that could deliver the ram 
out of his hand. So that prophecy is this great horn, Alexander the Great, and he did. He came in and he destroyed the Medo and the Persian Empire. He destroyed it. He took over. And he kept on going as he went east into China. There, that's where uh, Alexander the Great ended up dying down over there. But the point was, this, exactly what this Bible said would happen is exactly what did happen with these world empires. This is an amazing book, guys. This is amazing prophecy that you're seeing take place. Now, what we're interested in is going on in verse 8 through 12. Therefore, the he-goat waxed very great, and when he was strong, the great horn was broken. And for it came up four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven. And out of one of them came forth a little horn, which waxed exceeding great toward the south and toward the east and toward the pleasant land. And it waxed great even to the host of heaven. And it cast down some of the host of the stars to the ground and stamped upon them. Yea, he magnified himself even to the prince of the host. And by him the daily sacrifice was taken away and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. And a host was given to him against the daily sacrifice by reason of transgression. And it cast down the truth to the ground and it practiced and it prospered. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to your word this morning, Lord God, as we read these words, Lord, I pray, Father, that through your Holy Spirit, Lord God, you'd lead and guide and direct us. Lord, help us to understand it, Father. Help us to understand what you have written down for us, Father. And Lord, I do thank you for your prophecy, Father, that shows that you are the true God, the real God. And Lord, I thank you, Father, for these amazing words, Lord, that we read and study, Lord. And Father, I pray, Lord, if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that don't know for sure, 100%, if they'd go to heaven, if they were to die tonight, Lord God, I pray, Father, that when we give the invitation, they'd come on down the aisle and they'd get saved, Lord God. And I thank you for our salvation. We have in Jesus Christ, Lord God. And as we study this wicked man to come, Lord God, this antichrist to come, Lord, I pray, Father, as we study him and we get to know more about him, Lord, that we wouldn't take our eyes off the true Christ, off our risen Savior, off of Jesus Christ. We'll keep eyes on him. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. So back up at verse 8. We're going to break this down. This right here is another prophecy of the coming king the antichrist so it says there that therefore the he goat now of course that he goat would be the grecian empire under alexander the great waxed very great and when he was strong the great horn was broken that great horn represents alexander the great so at alexander's age of eight of 35 he conquered the known world and then he died now there's there's theories of how he died some people think he drunk himself to death some people think he got malaria and died either way he died at a young age at 35 but and i mentioned this before when Alexander the Great came in on, when he was conquering the known world. He came into Jerusalem and they came forth. And the prophets of Jerusalem at that time, the priests, they came forth and they showed him a scroll of Daniel. They showed him exactly what you're reading. And when they showed him what, he was re what they're reading, we're going to read some more. You'll see him in here later on again. He was amazed by that. And he spared Jerusalem for that. And he said, God told me to rise up and get dominion. He said, God showed me these people that I'm looking at. The visage of the priests in their robes. He said, I've seen a vision of them. And they said, arise and conquer and have dominion. So Alexander the Great felt like he was led by God to do what he was doing. You know what God said? I'm going to do this and that's what's going to happen. So he, rolled, he raised up Alexander the Great. But it says there that he was broken. He died in verse 8, middle of verse 8. And for it came up four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven. So when Alexander the Great died, his four generals took over his kingdom. And it was split into four different kingdoms. Now you can, uh, I don't have a map to show you, but you can go on Google Maps and type in Alexander the Great's kingdom, or the four kingdoms. 
And it'll show you uh, all these world maps of what those kingdoms looked like. But it was split up into four different kingdoms. But it says out of these four kingdoms, and those four kingdoms were Egypt, Greece, Asia Minor, and then the Syrian. So what you have, if you're looking at like this map up here on the wall, it would be, you'd have it up here like when Alexander the Great died. Here's Israel today. When Alexander the Great died, he died over here. They split up these four kingdoms. So here's the Grecian kingdom. That's where he was originally from. And then they had the, they had, one of the generals took over this kingdom, and it spread up in here. And then somebody, one of them took over Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. And then the fourth kingdom was the Syrian kingdom, which is right in here, which is what we would call modern-day Syria, Iraq, and Iran. And the Bible says right there, if you keep reading, that out of these, out of one of these, rises a little horn. Look at verse 9. And out of one of them came forth a little horn. So out of one of those four kingdoms that I showed you on that map comes up a little horn. And here's how you can figure out which one it is. Which of the, is it Egypt? Is it Greece? Is it Asia Minor? Is it, Minor? Is it Syria? Here's how you figure it out. That little horn is, of course, the Antichrist. We already, we already read him as a little horn last week. Which waxed exceeding great toward the south and toward the east and toward the pleasant land. So he's going south, east, and toward the pleasant land. Now the pleasant land would be Israel, so he replaces west with Israel. So when you look on this map, guys, and you say, okay, where would it be? Well, what, if it was here, you're in Greece, it wouldn't make sense to go south here. There's really nothing south. There's something east. If you go here to Turkey, if you go east and south, but there's really nothing going on west here. What it all, and it, with, with Egypt, there's definitely nothing south for them to conquer. If you put it here in modern-day Iran, Iraq, Syria, that's where the Antichrist is going to come out of because he'd go west and conquer Israel. He would go south and, and conquer all this land here. There's a reason why when you hear people talk about the Antichrist, they talk about him being from Syria, a Syrian. You, anybody heard that? Anybody in here? Some, some people said that he's going to be a Syrian. That's where they get the idea. And we think Syrian, and we look on a modern-day map, and we see that's right north of Israel. But that land actually didn't just, it was not just modern-day Syria, it was modern-day Iran and Iraq, which includes Babylon. Now, why is that important? Because we know in the book of Revelation, it's all about Babylon, mystery Babylon, Babylon, mystery Babylon. So, this Antichrist is going to come out of that kingdom, which includes the Syrian kingdom, which would be modern-day Babylon, will be Babylon. So that's where the little horn's going to come from. The Bible prophesies that. Doesn't mean he has to, now listen, it doesn't mean he has to be Syrian. He comes from Syria area. What, we, what, what the Bible's calling, and what some scholars have called Syria, he's coming out of that area right there. It doesn't mean that he's an Iraqi, Iranian, or a Syrian. Now, for 50, 60 years, that's what uh, people have preached. They preach that the, the Antichrist is going to be Syrian. And he's going to come from Syria area. But that doesn't mean he is Syrian. That's where he rises up. And out of one of them came forth a little horn. And he comes out of that kingdom. So let's continue reading this. Verse 10, And it waxed great, this Antichrist, he waxed great even to the host of heaven... And he cast down some of the hosts and of the stars to the ground and stamped upon them. It's Star Wars. 
Star Wars breaks out. Keep your hand here, but turn to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. So it's Star Wars breakout. There's something going on. There's some, uh, there's some, he's fighting with some, it says literally stars. It says he takes a, a host of heaven and he casts down some of the host and some of the stars to the ground. He stamps on them. Now we know that uh, in the Bible that stars, when we say stars, in a modern day sense, we think of a burning globe of, 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 of hydrogen or whatever it would be that's creating light that we call a star, a pinpoint of light up in the, up in the, up in the night sky. Or what we would call the sun when it rises up, it's a star. It's just real close to it and we're getting the heat from it. But in the Bible, a star represents angels. In the Bible, stars represents angels. Now that's Revelation chapter 1. You have to find Revelation chapter 1 to know that. But that stars represents angels. So look at Revelation 12. So what this is telling us, there's going to be some star wars going on. There's going to be a war break up up in the heavens. It's kind of interesting to know that China is, now they're claiming they've got a way to send a nuclear missile from outer space anywhere in the globe. It's amazing to think they could do that. We're worried about border walls. We can't even build a wall down on our border and they're putting up nuclear weapons up in outer space. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go. All right, so Revelation chapter 12, Revelation chapter 12, verse 3, And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail, this would be the devil, and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast him to the earth. We just read about that in Daniel. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. This woman represents Israel, guys. Because look at verse 5. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. That's Jesus Christ. She brought him forth. Who brought, who brought forth Jesus Christ? The nation of Israel. Not necessarily Mary. She did, Mary did singularly. But as a nation, as a woman, as Israel, they're the ones that brought forth Jesus Christ. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. We know Jesus was caught up to God and his throne. Verse 6. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had the place prepared to God, prepared of God, and they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. That's 1,260 days. That's three and a half years. That's 42 months. You'll see that over and over and over again in the Word of God. And it comes back up again later. Verse 7. And there was war in heaven. See, I'm not just spouting my mouth off, guys. I'm not just saying, hey, there's Star Wars. Ha, 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 ha. Look at Daniel chapter 8. Ha, ha. No, it says it right there. There's war in heaven. War breaks out. There's Star Wars. And there was a war in heaven. Michael, the good guys, and his angels, the good guys, fought against the dragon, the bad guys. And the dragon fought, and his angels, more bad guys. So the good guys are fighting with the bad guys up in heaven. And prevailed not. The bad guys didn't prevail. Neither was their place found any more in heaven for them. No more place for them found in heaven. Verse 9. And the dragon, the great dragon, was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. That's Daniel chapter 8, verse 10. You're reading it in Revelation chapter 12. That's why I'm always telling you that I believe the Antichrist, when he comes down, he will come down as of an alien. He's going to look like he's an alien. And the reason why is because the devil's going to come down, from, at that time he's going to come down from the heavens. See, look at verse 12. 
Skip down to verse 12. Revelation 12, 12. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. There's those seas again. For the devil is come down. He's come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time, three and a half years. He knows he has but three and a half years left. So war breaks out. Sometime during the tribulation period, war breaks out in heaven, and Satan and his angels, they get cast out, and they're cast down to the lower part, which is where we're living today. They're cast down in here. So go back to Daniel chapter 8. So the Antichrist is a part of all of that as the devil. He's a great, powerful guy. The Antichrist, obviously, is somebody you don't want to mess with. And he cast them to the ground and stamped upon them. Verse 11. Yea, he magnified himself to the prince of the host. Now, the prince of the host, that's Jesus Christ. And he magnified himself to them. Now, remember that uh, in, in Thessalonians, it said of the Antichrist, the son of perdition, the wicked man, the man of wickedness, the man of sin, it said of him that he was going to stand in the temple and say, I'm God, worship me. So he's going to magnify himself even above Jesus Christ, the prince of the host. But look, and by him the daily sacrifice was taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. So that daily there was a daily sacrifice at the temple being made, and the Antichrist is going to take that away. Why is that important when you're reading that? What that tells you guys is there has to be a third temple built. And I pointed this out again to you in Revelation in the first sermon I preached on the Antichrist. There must be a third temple built. And I'm encouraging you to know that that temple could be built in 24 hours. 24 hours, they have it ready. They're just waiting for the opportunity to get up there to the top of where that mount is and to build that temple. It's going to be built, but the Antichrist is going to take away that sacrifice, the daily sacrifice. But look at verse 12. And a host was given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of transgression, and it cast down the truth to the ground, and it practiced and prospered. So the Antichrist is going to be very prosperous. Verse 13, Then I heard one saint speaking, another saint said unto that certain saint which spake, How long shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation? Remember that. Transgression of desolation. There's something that's going to be in the temple that's going to make the temple desolate. To give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden underfoot. So when that temple is rebuilt, that third, that third temple's built, it's going to be thrown down, and the, the, the uh, Antichrist people are going to be in there. Why do I keep calling it the third temple? The first temple would be considered Solomon's temple. One of the wonders of the world. Solomon built it. The second temple was a temple in Jesus Christ's day. It was called Herod's temple. It said that it took him over 50 years to build that temple. Jesus Christ walked through it. And Jesus Christ said, you see these stones? There's not going to be a stone left upon another. You know what happened? Not a stone is left upon another. <laughs> Just like Jesus Christ said, that temple was destroyed in 70 A.D. by Titus. Now, by the Roman government. Now, it's telling us there has to be a third temple built. That's what we're looking for, guys, as Christians. Look at that. Keep that in mind. Verse 14. And he said unto me, How long shall this be? Unto 2,300 days. Then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. So after the tribulation period, during the millennial kingdom, it's going to take them months and months to clean all this mess up that the Antichrist does there around the Temple Mount. That's what that tells you. Verse 15, now, let's get the interpretation, guys. You, you heard me interpret it, but let's let the Bible interpret itself. And it came to pass, when I, even I, Daniel, had seen the vision and sought for the meaning, then, behold, there stood before me as the appearance of a man. 
And this man's going to be Gabriel. Notice the angels don't have wings. They're not appearing as this big glowing. They're just, he appears just as a man. No wings. You don't find angels with wings in the Bible. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of Uli, which called and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. That's the same angel Gabriel that came to Mary at the beginning of Matthew. All right, verse 17. So he came near where I stood, and when he came, I was afraid and fell upon my face. But he said unto me, Understand, O son of man, for at the time of the end shall be the vision. So everything Daniel's seeing here in the vision is for the end times. Guys, we're living in the end times. Amen? When this prophecy was being given, there wasn't a second temple even built yet. And we're seeing a prophecy of a third temple. There has to be another temple built. Verse 18, Now, as he was speaking with me, I was in deep sleep on my face toward the ground, Daniel evidently passed out, but he touched me and set me upright. And he said, Behold, I will make thee know what shall be in the last end of the indignation. For at the time appointed, the end shall be. This is all end times, guys. End times, end times. Verse 20, let's see, let's, see, let's get the interpretation. The ram which thou sawest, having two horns, are the kings of Media and Persia. See what I'm saying there? If you just keep reading, the Bible interprets itself. You don't have to believe what I said at the beginning of this sermon. Keep reading. It says it. The angel Gabriel says, hey, that, that, that guy right there, that ram, that is the Media and Persia. Verse 21. And the rough goat is the king of Grecia. And the great horn that is between his eyes is the first king. There it is. It's a Greek empire. That first, who's, Grecia, who's the Grecian's first king? Alexander the Great. <laughs> See, Alexander read this and he was amazed. Why is that amazing? If you go back and look at world history, Greece is just this little bitty island. There's no reason they should be able to conquer the world. No reason at all. It looked, they're just a bunch of villages on an island. And God takes that island and he conquers the whole known world with Alexander the Great. Why? Because that's what God wanted to do. That makes this verse 21 that much more amazing, guys. It's an amazing book you got in your lap. Now, ver, that, verse 22, now that being broken... That kingdom being broken, and that, and that king, Alexander Great, whereas four stood up for it, that represents four kingdoms shall stand up out of the nation, but not in its power. So like I pointed out to you, those four nations came up out of Alexander the Great's nation. They were never as powerful. That nation crumbled. It didn't last. The Romans came in. Now, verse 23, let's get back to the Antichrist. And in the latter time of their kingdom... We're living in the latter times, guys. In the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full. Let me stop and ask you this question. Does it look to you that the transgressors are coming to the full? Does it look to you like sin is just everywhere rampant? That people that are committing sin are committing sin and they don't care one bit. They, they're just throwing it in your face and the word, it gets worse and worse. I think right there shows you that we're getting close to that time right there. Who's going to come forth? When the transgressors are come to a full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. So the first thing you need to understand about the Antichrist, he's a king of fierce countenance. He's going to have a mean look to his face. The Antichrist is going to be a king and he's going to have a mean look to his face. And it says he's going to understand dark sentences. Dark sentences. What is that? That's, uh, always, that always is referred to magic. With a K. Not magic like you do with card tricks, but magic like witches and, and warlocks and people who are into demonology 
and uh, the occult, they try to, and uh, they uh, make up these spells and do all this magic. That's what that, that's what that references to, dark sentences. Do you know today that there's just as much Wiccan in America, probably more Wiccans and witches in America than there was back in the 1800s? Wiccan is one of the most popular uh, growing religions in America, Wiccan. That's, that's witches. I think y'all would be amazed if y'all was to really study this stuff out, just how wicked this world is. Amen. It's, it's wicked. And these people, don't, don't, they don't have the truth. Verse 24, And his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. Why? Because he's got a spiritual help from the devil. Because he's, he's got the devil incarnate. He's got spiritual help from the devil. And he's got physical help from the, the politicians, the other kings. He sh his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. And he shall destroy wonderfully, and shall prosper, and practice, and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. That would be the Jews. He's going after the Jews. And that's what the book of Revelation is about. The Antichrist rises up. And he goes after all the Jews. He tries to kill all the Jews he can. And that's why Jesus Christ uh, tell, warns them about, you better run. Verse 25. And through his policy also he shall cause craft to pro prosper. Who has policies? Politicians. Poly. Poly, many. Tick, bloodsucker. Politicians. That's who, the Antichrist is going to be a politician. That's why when you see these politicians, these world leaders come up and they're politicians and they're making all these policies. And you're like, what? I mean, there's times me and my wife are talking about this and we're like, what idiot would think that that would work? And I'm not going to name any names, but what idiot Biden would think that that stuff would work? But he does it anyway. They're politicians. They make policies. And that's what the devil's going to do. He's going to make policies. The Antichrist is going to make policies. He's going to be a politician. And he, look, and he shall magnify himself in his heart. That's 2 Thessalonians. And by peace shall destroy many. He's going to have a peace treaty. And when he has this peace treaty, he's going to destroy these people with this peace treaty. He's going to fool them into thinking that there's peace, peace, but there'll be no peace. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. Well, who's the prince of princes? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is going to break him. Jesus Christ is going to get him in the end. And the vision of the evening and the morning which was told is true. Wherefore shut thou up the vision for it shall be for many days. For many days. Look at, look at chapter 8. Look at verse 23. The very last of uh, chapter 8 verse 23. See it says there. And understanding dark sentences he says he, she, he shall stand up. Okay you got that? Stand up. He shall stand up. Okay, got that. Grab that. Now I'll turn to not, Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, and I'm running out of time. Daniel 9, verse 24. This is a crash course in the Antichrist is what this is. <laughs> but I hope it's a blessing to you. I hope you're learning something and give you something to look, look at when he, comes, when he rises up. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. So I'm going to read this real quick, and then I'm going to explain it, and then we'll break it down. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people, upon thy holy city. So that verse is going to tell you that the, the, this angel is telling Daniel, there's 70 weeks. Weeks will be seven years, a seven-year period. There's 70 seven-year periods that are determined on your people, on the Jew. And he, he goes on, to, and what it's going to do, it's going to, make, it's going to bring everything to an end. Verse 25, knowing therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem, that happened in Nehemiah, 
until the Messiah, the Prince, that's Jesus Christ, shall be seven weeks. That's 49 years. So when they built up the temple, it took 49 years for that to come in. That's seven times seven, seven weeks. Seven times seven is 49 years. And three score and two weeks. So three score is three times, a score is 20. Three times 20 is 60. And two, so that's 62 weeks. So you got 62 weeks times seven. That's 434 years. Or 69 weeks. You got 62 weeks, seven weeks. That's 69 weeks. So in God's calendar, 69 weeks have happened to Israel. And they've got one week left. That's seven year period. The tribulation period is how long? Seven year period. At least. Depending on how you look at it, it could be three and a half years split into two. But it's seven years. Look at verse 26. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. Of course, that's Jesus Christ. He was crucified. That's what that testifies to. Notice this is 500 years before Christ. All this is prophecy. Remember, this is prophecy. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Okay, who destroyed the city and the sanctuary? That was the Romans in 70 A.D. It says that the prince, the people of the prince that shall come. So the people would be the Romans. The prince is the, excuse me, the Antichrist. So the Antichrist is going to be associated with the Romans. The Roman government. The Roman, that's why you hear people say the revised Roman Empire. The revised Roman Empire. That's why the Antichrist, and that's why they try to associate him with the Catholic. The Roman Catholics. The Pope. But I don't believe the Antichrist is going to be the Pope. I don't believe that. And I'll show you why as we study through this. Of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. That happened in 70 A.D. That happened about 600 years after what you're reading was written. And the end thereof shall be with the flood. That's Revelation chapter 12. And unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. The battle of Armageddon, everything's finished. But here's what we're looking at. Verse 27. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. There's a seven, one week, seven year period. He, he'll confirm it with many. There's that peace treaty. And in the midst of the week, about halfway through... Three and a half years, 42 months, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. We just read that in Daniel chapter 8. The third temple, he brings it to a stop. And notice though, and, over, and for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate. He's going to make that temple desolate even unto the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. The, uh, the consummation would be the utter end, the fulfillment. That's when it all breaks down, when it's all finished. But what he's pointing out is the Antichrist is going to make, in that third temple, he's going to make an agreement with the Jews. And somehow in that agreement, he's able to build that temple. And in that temple, he builds that temple, and he says, okay, guys, I want you to build this temple. And so they build, I want to build the Jews the temple. So the Jews are like, yeah, we finally get our temple. They build the temple. And what happens? The Antichrist comes in there. What does the Antichrist do according to 2 Thessalonians? He comes into the temple and says, hey, I'm God, worship me. And if you don't worship me, you're going to die. That's Revelation 13. And he breaks that covenant, and all of Israel has to flee from the Antichrist because he's out to kill them. Look at Matthew 24, and we'll close in Matthew 24. And we'll close here, I promise. So Matthew 24 is the famous chapter where Jesus Christ is asked what it's going to be like at the end of the world. And he gives a description of what it's going to be like. And one of the things he talks about is in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. 
Look what Christ says here, Jesus Christ. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation. Hey, we just read that, right? Didn't we just read something about that? Look what Christ says. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Jesus is reminding you that it, this stuff was talked about in the book of Daniel. We just read about it. When you shall see that, stand in the holy place. Uh-oh. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Jesus Christ is saying, when you see that abomination of desolation, stand in the holy place. Remember we read in Daniel, and I try to point out to you in Daniel chapter 8, I try to point out to you in verse 23 that it says that the, that the Antichrist, he'll stand up. In Thessalonians, it says he sits down. Then he says, I'm God. Then it says he stands up. There's something that's set up there. Now, it's either the Antichrist is there after he's assassinated, he rises up and he says, I'm God, you've got to worship me. Or it's that image that the pro false prophet makes, that image of the beast that everybody has to worship. Either way, Christ says, when you see that, verse 16, they let them which be in the... And Judea flee into the mountains. See, this is all about Jerusalem. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in that field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray that ye, that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. That's that last three and a half years where all hell breaks loose. The Antichrist turns loose. He starts killing everybody. He starts murdering everybody, cutting their heads off. Verse 22, And except those days should be shortened, there shall no, should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. The elect being the Jews. Guys, when the Antichrist is setting up in that temple, and I'm pointing this stuff out to you. He's going to be a great politician. He's going to say, hey, man, I got a policy. We're going to make this policy work where we can get this temple built. We can get the Jews where they can worship their God again. And the Jews are going to be excited about it. And somehow or another, he's going to convince the Muslims that's what they need to do. And then about when he gets that temple built, everything will be going great. And then in the midst of that week, in the midst of that seven-year period, he breaks that covenant. And something happens, and we'll read about that, Lord willing, maybe next Sunday. Something happens, and then he rises up and says, hey, I'm God. And Jesus Christ, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. You better run for the hills. I'm glad we'll be out of here. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to be here. And you'll get to witness that. And it's not something you're going to want to witness. And I can tell you there's a, there's a great truth and a great uh, love Jesus Christ has for you that he'll get you out of that. And the great promise of Jesus Christ is told us in Thess the same book I've been telling you about in Thessalonians. It says that he's given, he's a, we've, we're escaped from the wrath to come. Jesus Christ delivered us from the wrath to come. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you can be delivered from the wrath to come. It's simply by putting your faith in Jesus Christ and he'll deliver you. So when all this hell is breaking loose on earth, when all this stuff's going on with the Antichrist, we'll be up in heaven and we'll be living the dream. See, I'll be raptured out and when I'm raptured out, I'll be saying bye-bye. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. And I'll have my eyes on Jesus. 
And when they were mocking us and making fun of us and laughing at us and making fun of this book and saying how it was a lie and how it has all the errors in it and why do you believe this old book like that? And here we are reading this book and it's pointing to stuff that's happening this very day and they wouldn't believe it and we're up in heaven. I'll have my book and I'll have my Jesus Christ and you'll have your Antichrist. You'll get exactly what you wanted. Isn't that scary? I try not to get political, but I just can't help it. Somebody wanted Biden in there, and it blows my ever-loving mind that they would vote for somebody like that. But they did. People do. And they did. They voted for Obama. They voted for Biden. They do that stuff. And you're getting what you deserve. When you go to the gas pump and it's $3 and something, you got it. When you go to the grocery store and everything on the grocery store is missing or it's you know, double the price, you got it. You voted for them. That's what you wanted. And what's going to happen is you don't want Christ. You don't want Jesus. You don't want us uh, crazy Christians, us Bible thumpers. Well, guess what? You're about to get it. We're about to get out of here. And you can have it and you can do what you want with it. And I'm going to tell you, according to this word of God, it's not going to be what you want. You're going to say, well, well I, don't, I don't know. I, well, too late. But right now, it's not too late. Amen? You can make the vote right now for Jesus Christ. I placed my vote for Jesus Christ years ago. You can make that vote right now and make the right vote for the right man, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. 
Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon